In reading from the book, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions from the Program of Alcoholics Anonymous, on step 10, page 90, it is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. And on down the page, a spot check inventory taken in the midst of such disturbances can be a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. Rusty, share a little bit about the spot check inventory. Yeah, and I, when we're going to do this, I want to talk, uh, if I can, I want to go into uh, that what you just read, that the spiritual action that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong. And it, this last two words are in italics. Something's wrong with us. In other words, something's going on with me inside that causes me to recognize that uh, I'm not in the moment. I am angry. I'm upset for some reason. That has saved my life. Once I came to understand what that meant and then to accept what it meant, it was life-changing. I hope it doesn't take uh, our listeners as long to, to get at this as, as long as it did me because it took me probably eight or nine years uh, to accept that this is, this is the truth that anytime I'm upset, something's wrong with me. Not in, the, in, in that I'm right or I'm wrong, it's that my body is out of sync with, with my soul, really. So when we talk about that, uh, we can't talk about the spiritual axiom without talking about the pause. Um, and today I've asked uh, my dear friend Michael B. to come in and join us. Uh, and the reason that I've done that is that probably 15 to 20 years ago, we're sitting in uh, our meeting that used to be at the Church of the Resurrection in the little what we call the back room, and they had these little bitty chairs, and everybody would pack their self in there, and it was you were just... There was so much energy going on in that room that uh, it changed people's lives. But anyway, Michael Michael's was always talking about the pause, and, and I would really think, what the hell is he talking about? Why does he think the pause is so important? Well, I've come to, to know, to understand, and to believe that the spiritual axiom is the truth, but without the pause, it, it goes nowhere. You cannot have the spiritual axiom. You can't take it and work with it unless you're willing to do the pause. And, now, and what that meant for me was I needed to shut, shut up and listen and not respond because my whole life I had responded to people. And when I responded, it was usually in that state of anger 
and wanting to get my way so I could, if I couldn't do anything else, I could outshout you or I could talk over you. And I want Michael to, if you would, Michael, to come in and, and tell us what got you on the, the path of the whole pause in the spiritual axiom. Um, you know, we used to have a gal named Lila that would bring uh, a step study to Tulsa. She did it uh, three or four times. And she described the tenth step as the step of pause. And for the longest time, I didn't understand what she was talking about. And I, I think I went to three or three of the four step studies she, she held. And what she taught me was that I had spent an entire life reacting to things around me. Uh, mm -hmm. I, like Rusty just mentioned, I thought response and reaction was the same thing. Um, and what I found out listening to her was there was, n there was no progress without taking time to bring the information in before I decided on something. She taught me that we make better decisions based on information rather than lack of it. And so for the longest time, I thought, how do I, how do I stop these reactions? I'm in recovery now, and I'm trying to live a new life. And I had actually prided myself on how fast I could react to things. Um, I was in marketing, and uh, so I thought, you know, the faster I get an answer out, the better, whether it was right or not. Back then, I didn't care if it was honesty or not. But when I started to develop that, I actually wrote this lady that did these step studies. I wrote Lila one time, and I said, uh, what, was, what was the key to you developing the pause? And she said, recognizing when I was changing my behavior. So it was, it was a nice little task all of a sudden to start recognizing, you know, the old me would have reacted to what that person just said. Mm -hmm. I actually had a guy, uh, I had a guy ask me a question at work and rather than giving him an answer, I said, you know, I've never had that happen. So I don't really know what you should do. And I remember walking away thinking, wow, I've never tried that before only commenting on things that I knew about. And uh, I wrote her back and I said, man, I, I recognize that I changed my response to something. And she said, no, you recognize that the response was healthier than a reaction. Hmm. And so, as Rusty mentioned, I even today will recognize when I pause and don't react to a situation or make a comment without really digesting it I actually internally say good job because mm -hmm. I would have gone down a different path I remember another guy named Gil Baker said hmm. if you're not recognizing progress in your self-talk to, your, to yourself then the only self-talk you're doing is typically being critical of yourself and if that's the case in trying to recognize progress and bring that in was a part of recovery. 
I can't obtain balance till I start practicing both ways of self-talk, the positive and the critical. At least that's what seems to be working mm-hmm. for me today, anyway. I, I was going to ask Michael a couple of questions. Why don't you do that? Okay. And then I will. All right. Michael, in uh, when it says the spiritual axiom, uh, every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you see that yourself? I've kind of said what I th- mm-hmm. and I I just want to know what your feedback would be to me. Well, for me, uh, it applies to me when I have something happen in my life and I act without thinking. Um, Sometimes my responsibility is actually how I'm letting it affect me. Because regardless of what the other individual is saying or doing, ultimately it's my decision on how I respond, either physically or verbally or whatever. But for me, I always think about it this way. If something's uh, got me excited and it's happened happens all the time mm-hmm. but it happens but today that course gets diverted to okay what's this about what's going on with me that this is affecting me or that I'm given this so much power so that's a part of your of the pause right uh-huh. that's when I am instead of reacting to that individual right. that's when I mm-hmm. begin my pause yeah, because you can't take it back half the time. When Correct. You react inappropriately with people. I mean, it's happened at a group C. Oh, it happens all the time. It happens at a group C, and sometimes I literally have to just stop, mm-hmm. get a cup of coffee, do something to change my environment. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Is you have to stop. It is. And you said that you're very quick to react. Mm-hmm. And I I know that feeling mm-hmm. because I always listened to react mm-hmm. or respond mm-hmm. rather than listening to understand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I received a, a packet the other day that had some readings in it and I saw one that caught my mind. Mm-hmm. It's called listening. When I ask you to listen to me and you start giving advice, you've not done what I asked. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you're trampling on my feelings. When I ask you to listen to me and you feel you have to do something to solve my problem, you have failed me. Strange as that may seem. Listen. All I asked was that you listen, not to talk or do. Just hear me. And I can do for myself. I'm not helpless, maybe discouraged and faltering, but not helpless. When you do something for me that I can do and need to do for myself, you contribute to my fear and weakness. 
But when you accept as a simple fact that I feel what I feel, no matter how irrational, then I can quit trying to convince you and get about the business of understanding what's behind this irrational feeling. So please listen and just hear me. And if you want to talk, wait a minute for your turn and I'll listen to you, author unknown. Mm -hmm. I find myself not hearing and not understanding the motivation behind what somebody is sharing. And I am listening to respond rather than listening to understand. And that's been a huge enlightenment or awakening that I've experienced over the, the past week. And as we sit here this morning and listening to Michael and Rusty, you start to ask Michael a question and I interrupt. I wasn't listening to understand. I was listening to respond and mm. felt the need to respond right there in that moment. Mm. So listen to me and wait a moment and I'll listen to you. Mm. It's pretty darn powerful stuff. Well, it is. Uh, on page uh, 91... Here's where it starts to pay off. Uh, he says here that one unkind tirade or one willful snap judgment can run a relationship of another person for a whole day or maybe a whole year. Nothing pays off like restraint of pen and tongue. Now, how many times have I wished when I sent an email to someone mm -hmm. and I was in that that I wasn't in the pause that's for damn sure I was upset now the 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 spiritual axiom had already told me that I'm upset something must be the matter with me but instead of my of the pause I start banging out this email and I shoot it off and as soon as I do mm -hmm. what I it, it comes over me rusty you should have, you should have not sent that. Mm -hmm. So this this works out in in so many different ways. Uh, he he goes on to say the same goes for sulking or silent scorn. Now for me, the silent scorn that's the stuff that triggers me. And there again, instead of uh, stopping for a moment into that pause and go, what's going on inside of me? Mm -hmm. I respond. I've responded my whole life. My whole life I've responded. I've never paused. Not until the last several years. Mm -hmm. 
And when I do, it has changed my life, Michael. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice that it goes on to say, for we can neither think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint has become automatic. And one of those things that I used um, to develop that pause was learning how to ask questions instead of react. Give me an example. Um, Is there any way you can repeat what you just said in a different way? Sometimes I need to ask the question to get the right answer or to get an answer that's more palatable for me. I've had people say things to me and I've been fortunate enough to go, can you say that a different way? Just so maybe I can hear it differently. Let me understand. Exactly. Because truth be known, most of, for me, most of my battles were misunderstandings. Right. Or misinterpreting yes. an action or a talk. Um, I know that the less I have to criticize myself, the happier and more content I seem to be. Um, you know, I had my grandson this morning. I was going to be late getting here. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, no offense, that in the realm of the world, another 10 minutes with my grandson, who is six, <laughs> was a vitally more importance than making it down here to speak into a microphone. Right. Absolutely. 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 But that is my old nature, is to mm-hmm. criticize myself. Uh, and the reason my son was late getting his son for me was he was picking up his daughter. <laughs> so, I mean, there was nobody to blame. Right. And truth be known, you guys were okay with me being a couple minutes mm-hmm. late. Because I think you both know me well enough to know I didn't do it on purpose. And I think that's this this uh, this guy named Dave Webster one time said to me, mm. you got to ASK the G-E-T. Mm. And he says, what do you say to a person when you ask them a question about what they just shared? And not in the middle of a meeting, but maybe after the meeting. You know, I understand, you know, when you made that comment, mm-hmm. can you reflect on that? And he was the best I ever met at that. Mm-hmm. Calm demeanor. But reality was later, after I knew him a couple of years, I asked him about it. And he said, Michael, there's nothing calm about me at all. That's just the perception you have of me. Because hmm. there's chaos going on inside of me. And I thought for a moment, that is what happens. We think we're putting this picture out there for the world to see when in reality it's just who we are. And when you start changing that reaction time, because I call what you did for a long time reacting. Because mm-hmm. I think response requires a little bit of a step Thought back. process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, today I'll say to people if I'm making a miss, I, I reacted inappropriately. Or, you know, yeah. I could, it could have been a whole lot different if I would have just waited to respond to you rather than react. Okay. It's helped me as a father, I can tell you that, a lot. When you, when you were saying that, Michael, uh, what came to me mm-hmm. was what is when I, am, when I responded, I, I can remember I was about 
I was four, I know, I was four and a half years sober, and, and I was in a confrontation with a lady, and she said something, and my motivation was to nail her, mm -hmm. right? And she, after I said what I said to her, she said, Rusty, I'm not going to allow you to spew your venom out on me. Mm -hmm. Now, the awareness that came out of that for me was because I had people telling me I was angry all the time, mm -hmm. and I was angry. I was, I was, in fact, I, a lot of times I was rageful. But that was an eye-opener for me. Someone that really didn't know me that well mm -hmm. told me, you know, you're not going to spew your venom out, man. And that has stuck with me all these years. So that brings me to or what came up for me when you were talking was what's going on inside of me. It tells me, mm -hmm. you know, the, the spiritual action says something's wrong with, with us. Mm -hmm. But what is it that's going on with me? And what just came up for me when you were talking, was that it's fear. It's always fear. We know, mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about fear a lot, mm -hmm. but it's what, it ta what Bill talks about it in the 12 and 12, at the end of the seventh step, when he says, the chief activator of my mm -hmm. character defects is self-centered fear. Fear that I'm not going to get what I want, mm -hmm or that I'm going to lose something I've got. And then it goes on to talk about driven by a hundred forms of, of fear. So I have to have the awareness too, what's driving me when I'm reacting. And 99% of the time when I'm not reacting appropriately or taking the pause, I'm acting out of that self-centered fear that, my ego has been damaged. And when my ego's damaged, I go into another mode. Mm -hmm. And it says on 90, other kinds of disturbances, jealousy, envy, self-pity, and hurt pride did the same thing. And, and I'll tell you, just for me, I, I've learned that sitting back is probably the best boundary I can have with everybody. To sit, you said sit back? Right. To sit back mm -hmm. and question what I'm feeling is the best boundary I can put out there of myself. Because to have boundaries with others, you have to have boundaries within yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, is this an appropriate response to what's going on? Um, I think some of the most embarrassing things I've done have been the big group C we all had about online and in person. Mm -hmm. That was as, um, I won't say disrespectful, but it was definitely fear-based. It was all fear-based. And I had to actually get away from it uh, enough to understand what am I, what am I worried about? What is the projected fear I'm feeling or responding to? And it took me a month. It took me a month to talk my way through that. And 
you know, it's the perfect classic example of a loyal, tenacious member being in fear of something threatening that which I hold dear. So while that is a admirable characteristic and, and mission, inappropriately responded to. Right. Okay. Use the wrong tools. You know, I... Uh, yeah, I know that feeling. Well, I mean, and I'm wondering, you know, I've had so many hours upon hours of interaction with that individual. Mm-hmm. Why now do I need to criticize? Yeah. Who does it benefit? It doesn't benefit anybody. Uh, not approving of his behavior doesn't mean I have to be around it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I learned from you. This boundary stuff can move. I didn't know that for a long time. I didn't know I could establish a boundary and know that it'd be flexible. Because I thought that was, wasn't the same thing. If it's mm-hmm. a boundary, it's a boundary. But it's like um, the world's not black and white. I grew up in a dualistic world. Yep. It's either sure positive is. or it's negative. Yep. And to find out now it's not. I don't have to define how much it is. But I can tell you the thoughts of uh, kindness that I've been sending lately make me feel a lot better about who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I can just, I looked at one of those pictures and I thought, where did it go? And the fear I had was that I had done something to move, and I haven't. Uh, but I can tell you, having that thought was not critical. It felt good to have the question and, and to go, okay, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? Why do I need to be in judgment to be happy today or to be? fair today yeah but it's also part of this, what we're talking about today that right. spiritual axiom mm-hmm. that's the spiritual axiom in my life right now okay if i need to be in judgment of person i've shared 25 years with mm-hmm. what's going on with me that i have to have to create this position of judgment to be in judgment because I don't know, but I've never felt better being in judgment than I have been being kind. You know, isn't that the, and, and. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, and what an awareness, awareness, what an mm. awareness that is. I that mean, a, my, I mean. That awareness is in the pause. It is. It is. It's saying, It makes okay, me go within. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I'll tell you one other thing I like. Have you ever felt worse by being kind to somebody? Ever? No. I like those evers. Right. It's like I've never met a guy with humility that wasn't attractive. Or a girl. Mm -hmm. Watched my daughter get up there on that podium yesterday. Oh, man. That was huge. She, I could tell she was so nervous. And I was thinking, are you kidding me? And she read that story about me going to school and getting her certificate mm-hmm. for her. 
Were you aware she was going to do that? No. Yeah. And then what was, so. what was so cool was to think, when I did that, I never thought about it. There was never a question in my mind. And yet that moment in time when she was in the second grade implanted her perception to, of me for the rest of her life. Oh, it did. You never know when, who's watching. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, yeah, I which know. one of us is watching? I do know, yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, you know, I was bawling. I don't know if you guys could see that. I was no. bawling. I did not see you bawling. Mm. I wasn't But tired. I was sitting at my monitor mm -hmm. online mm -hmm. watching a father and daughter mm -hmm. in a hugely intimate mm -hmm. moment in front of my eyes and I felt the tears coming down my mm -hmm. face and it was tears of joy mm -hmm. and tears of gratitude an extreme pleasure to experience that mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Six miles away. Mm -hmm. It's funny because she got back down to the seat and she says, how did I do that? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was sitting like right behind you. Well, not right behind you, but and when she laid her head over on your shoulder, mm -hmm. that was. Yeah, because what she said then, it was, you know, you're my hero. Yeah. And I'm, I'm blessed. I get to take her to the Rose Garden every Sunday morning. Uh, that's I, good. Isn't that yeah. wonderful? She's you're taking her now? Yeah, I take her every day, every Sunday. She uh, texted me yesterday. Now, Dad, remember, I'm going to be at the Gratitude Getaway, so you won't have to pick me up this weekend. <laughs> but I'll be thinking about you. What's incredible is this girl, because of her own actions, I had written her off. Yeah. And not being critical, just I couldn't, I couldn't have hope because yeah, of painful. the... It would, the evidence was overwhelming. And um, I'd been to just enough Al-Anon meetings mm -hmm. to go, wait a minute, you this isn't about you. You can't cure it. You can't control it. You can't control it. Uh, but it's a miracle. Oh, yeah. And not of my own making. You know, that's what's neat about it. Well, part of it, I think, was your own making of be of, because you really were uh, where you had detached. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I I would think that you had detached too much, mm -hmm. but also, it being being a dad too and going through some of that mm -hmm. with you know mine, mm -hmm. I I knew that sometimes we have to shut down because mm -hmm. it's just so painful. Because yeah. this is your child. Because they're still your little baby. Yeah. Always. Still the six-year-old you took to the first grade and walked her all the way up to class. Well, and, and yours is more, uh, for me anyway, your your story, what you did with your, and you and I have talked about this, is that you were always there. You raised those four kids. Mm -hmm. 
You raised them by yourself. <laughs> you were mom, dad, and all of it. So there had to be uh, some closeness there that... You know, and it was Gil that said, you know, I complained to Gil one time on the golf course saying, you know, I'm doing this all on my own, Gil. <laughs> there's no... no every hey, You other, didn't get that by him, did you? Yeah. There's no every other weekend away and no other... Mm. No, every other Wednesday, mm -hmm. respite. Right. And he didn't say anything. He was in the pause till the next tee box. And he goes, let me ask you a question. Would you prefer if that person was living here? Mm -hmm. Would it be worth it to have her here creating mm -hmm. more chaos? Ooh, yeah. That's powerful. It was powerful. Because yeah. uh, from that moment on, because... You, the three of us all know, I was in self-pity that whole time. Whoa, 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 you know, poor, poor, pitiful me. And after that moment with him, I wasn't there anymore. And so there again, you know, I'm lobbying for acknowledgement of my self-pity when in reality it's a blessing that it was the way it was. And truth of the matter is, you know, people say to me all the time, how did you do that? Well, I didn't really see it as a choice. And part of the reason is my own father was not involved in my raising. Right. So that same guy, Gil, helped me understand if you'd had a different father, you'd be doing a different parenting job right now. Here's Gil that didn't have any children. Any. And he fathered me, mm -hmm. he fathered you, mm -hmm. uh, um, Jonathan, and some others. Right. Uh, but he never, but he never would put himself in that position. Well, he didn't. He didn't have any experience in that. <laughs> Alberta's kids a little bit, but, um, but that's part of this process of recovery. Mm -hmm. All of it. It is. It's part of finding out what were the things that made me choose the pattern of my life. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of funny to hear people give me a lot of credit about the pause. And I'll take it because, you know, I can take it if I want. But to be on my sofa listening to a set of her step study tapes. And her name was? Lila? Yeah, Lila. From California, yeah. Remember she came to town like four times. Yeah. Anyway, but to think about that moment where I am in my living room listening to her Step Ten uh, CD, she goes, "Really, folks, this is just the step of pause. It's where you develop ways to avoid embarrassment going forward." And I thought, I like that idea. Oh yeah. And the spiritual axiom has been one of the best learning tools I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Only because I was yeah. too good at blaming others. You know, when you're in blame, you already have a solution. That's right. You do. You got it. You got you it. You don't look anymore. You don't look at improvement. You look at, I got the reason why I behave the way I do. And it's almost 100% of the time, mm -hmm. it's blame 
I want to blame others for more than I feel today instead of taking ownership for how I feel today. Yeah. Ownership now, and responsibility. It's true. You can't fix anything you don't own. Mm-hmm. You ever notice that? Right. I've never you got to take ownership. I've never seen anybody improve on something they didn't own. So, yeah, when people say you're egotistical, I go, really? You think you just now getting that, are you? Mm-hmm. Known that a long time. Mm-hmm. But ego has also saved my life a lot. Yeah. It has. The proper use of ego is the thing I like working on today. Because there are times to be, to feel good about what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now that we're in AA and sober and winning back the esteem of our friends and business associates, we find we still need to exercise special vigilance as insurance against big shotism. We can often check ourselves by remembering we are today sober only by the grace of God Mm -hmm. and that any success we may be having is far more his than ours. Thanks, Michael, for coming in today. Oh, you bet. Uh, this has been so so good for me in so many different ways. Michael's very special to me. Uh, I sit across the room from him, and I just, we've we've got had such a long history, and and I just love him. I feel that this the spiritual axiom virtually changed my life. And that's why I wanted to do some some stuff with it today. And then the pause, of course, the spiritual action don't work without the pause. You can uh, know this stuff all along, but not be willing to to not respond. So uh, I hope this has helped you guys out there that uh, 90, 91, 92, those are the pages that we've talked about today. So uh, I'm gonna, Michael. I'm gonna turn it over him to to kind of close us out here, Michael. Okay, I'm gonna read from uh, page 92 of the 12 and 12. Uh, now that we're in AA and sober and winning back the esteem of our friends and business associates, we find that we still need to exercise special vigilance as insurance against big shotism. We can often check ourselves by remembering that we are today sober only by the grace of the program and God, and that any success we are having is far more their success than ours. Finally, we begin to see that all people, including ourselves, are to some extent emotionally ill as well as frequently wrong. And then we approach true tolerance and see what real love for our fellows actually means. It is. It will become more and more evident as we go forward that it is pointless to become angry or to get hurt by people who, like us, are suffering from the pains of growing up. This has been a production of childrenofchaos.net, and we invite you to share your thoughts with us via email to comments at childrenofchaos.net. Children of Chaos is a forum to discuss topics related to and in concert with addiction and recovery in America. 
is not affiliated with, endorsed, or financed by any recovery or treatment program, organization, or institution. Any views, thoughts, or opinions expressed by an individual in this venue are solely that of the individual and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of any specific recovery-based entity or organization.